Hello and welcome to Previously On, a difficulty podcast where we relax and talk about all the kick-ass games that we were part of. Um, Trevor, I hear that you have quite a lot to talk about this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you could you could definitely say that. Yeah, because um, uh, we we because uh, the the beast of blemish. Not that that was a bad thing, uh, but uh, we I've had two games now, and one of those games was finishing a campaign. Ooh, that's always exciting yeah. to do. I love that. Yeah. Um, I will say, you know, you know, we, we've said a, a while ago that we're going to give spoilers for uh, uh, Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus. Um, this does have some spoilers for the ending, um, but I did change a lot. Mm-hmm. It's like um, AU and, Avernus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and even my players changed uh the stuff they did changed what happened and how it happened so neat um so yeah let, let, let's let's get into this so where i left off was they just broken into the bleeding citadel yes and uh they drop down there's all these columns in this large kind of round room and in the center of it is a pedestal and atop it is a giant stone with the sword of Zariel plunged into it. So they're like, sweet, we're here, let's do this. And just as they're about to do that, there is uh, an image of a woman in armor that appears in front of them. And Lulu kind of flies around real quick and uh, says, wait a minute, I, I remember you. And then she goes, wait a minute, I remember everything. And there's this bright flash of light. Wow. And all of them now find themselves standing at the edge of a burning village. There are gnolls and demons all over the place. And um, a voice kind of comes through that they can hear everywhere uh, that basically tells them, like, hey, if you think you're worthy of the sword, you need to prove it. Oh. Mm-hmm. So they are like, all right, Let's save a town. And they set to work just laying into these gnolls and demons and doing a pretty good job. The way this was supposed to go was it was supposed to be split up into three different things that presented different problems. But I decided to just throw everything at them at once because that's what I do. (laughs) Um, They were supposed to have a little break between combats and I'm like... Oh, screw it. They're, they're about uh, 80% of the way through this combat. Have the big bad thing from the next combat burst through a wall. <laughs> it was really great, too, because uh, Christy, uh, she had Violet, uh, like, Misty Step or something away from all the bad stuff to this other building, and that's the building the big new demon shot out. She's like, God dang it! I, I just moved away from all of this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they... they uh, just kick everything's ass. Like, you, you know, in my sessions, we don't usually have a majority combat game. Uh, but this one w- was them fighting their way into this town and uh, saving it. Well, mostly. Mm-hmm. So after they get rid of all of the present threats, um, at the end of the town, there is a giant statue of Zariel. And beyond that is a temple. 
and uh, poking their head out of the temple is a woman who kind of like, oh my God, I can't believe you all just did that. Get in here quick. And, you know, uh, as as they're doing this, I'm having Kyle, who's playing Marcaeus, who is a Hellrider, make some rolls, and he remembers what this place is. Um, I can't remember the name of the town right now because it's kind of weird, <laughs> but he remembers that this town uh, was... Uh, attacked by Knowles a long, long time ago, and the leader of the town prayed to Lathander, and Lathander sent Zariel to protect it. Oh. And she defeated all the Knowles. Then, uh, uh, I think a century or so later, uh, the Knowles came back with uh, with uh, fiercity, and they brought demons with them. In fact, they even brought a demon lord with them. The demon lord of Knowles. Oh, I shit. I don't know how to say his name. I, it's it's like Yigulith or something. I don't, I don't know what it is. Sure, I believe so. We'll we'll go with that. <laughs> um, and as he's remembering this, the woman, uh, or the leader, she's now the leader. She's actually the the granddaughter of the guy that led the prayer that brought Zariel to the material plane. And scouts show up and say the demon lord is here and he's on his way. Ooh. And they're like, oh, crap. okay, I guess I guess we're fighting a demon lord. Let's <laughs> let's freaking go. And at this point, you know, they're prepping. The, what I really love about my group is before any of them asked, "Are we all okay on hit points? Is everything like that?" They immediately go, "How are the townspeople in the temple looking?" Oh. And they go around and spend spell slots healing these people. And uh, Daggery used his uh, cooking feet and made sure everyone got, you know, some food that restored hit points and stuff like that. I just, I love that they do, like, these last two games, there were there were moments that were just so freaking wholesome and good. Yeah. And so after that, and they're talking about the Demon Lord, Daggery goes, okay. I'm going to try something. It could either work out really well for us or just nothing happens. So there's no reason not to do it. And they're like, okay, what, what are you doing? He goes, I'm going to attempt divine intervention. <gasps> oh, shit. I love that. So he is level 12. Mm -hmm. He has a 12% chance mm -hmm. that if he rolls percentile and gets under that, his god will intervene and do something. Now, the the last time a player did this in my games was you, <laughs> and I loved the idea so much, I told you not to roll, and we just had it play out because it fit so damn well into that scene. We're going to have to like have an uh, episode of this where we just talk about that that session because it was so, so freaking good mm -hmm. the way you all played it out. I, that was the session where I literally didn't do anything. I just sat back. <laughs> <laughs> um, anywho. He does divine intervention. He takes his percentile die and he rolls and he gets an 11. <gasps> no fucking way. <laughs> I know. That was my freaking reaction too. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. And I was, I sat there for a moment. I'm just like, okay, this is a big moment. Like this does not happen every day. I need to make this moment mean something. Mm-hmm. And so I went, I, I thought about it for maybe 30 seconds, went, got it, done, let's do it. The There's another bright white flash of light, 
and they're back in the Bleeding Citadel. And the woman's uh, spirit form that was there is just looking shocked at them. And Lulu's just like, I still don't know what's going on. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But also standing there is a spectral image of Ferlengen, Dagri's god, who he's now communicated with before through wit. But now with using divine intervention, it's direct. And I had this moment where uh, Ferlengen looks at Dagri and smiles and just says, I knew our connection was strong. <laughs> and essentially what Ferlangan does is tells uh, Yale, they discover that's this woman's name, uh, who was one of the Hellriders that was with Zariel. Um, he tells her, so I see what you're doing here. I understand that you are putting them through a test to see if they are worthy. As a god, I vouch that they are worthy. If you have any doubt of their heroism, let my word stand as their acceptance. And she was just like, yeah, you're a freaking guy. (laughs) Okay, yeah, we're cool. Yeah. Um, And again, I wanted this moment to mean more than just them skipping a fight. Uh, Because again, this doesn't happen a lot. And I'll be honest, I was kind of happy they skipped the fight. It wasn't going to be that exciting. Um... (laughs) But so what I had him do is I I gave them um, a blessing, and a permanent one. Oh, uh, they all received plus two to their uh, uh, to their constitution scores permanently. Wow, that's yeah, awesome. <laughs> For Langan's like I got power right now. I'm gonna protect you guys until we can fully meet. Uh, get you know th- this is gonna help you get here. So. Ferlangan leaves, and they're, you know, they're, they're <laughs> player-wise, they're like, what does plus two to my constitution mean? Oh my god, I get all these hit points. <laughs> like, they put it into D&D Beyond, they're like, oh my god, my health. Um, which gave me time to, you know, figure out, uh, you know, what, how exactly to present the next thing, because they skipped a thing. Mm-hmm. And so Yale says, okay, um, you have you know, you, you have a, a, a voucher for you. Like you, you have someone who is speaking for you and uh, I, I trust with what they say. So the sword of Zariel is yours, but there is a problem. Whoever takes the sword will cease to exist. Oh. You will no longer be who you are. And uh, that is part of the the point of picking up the sword is that it is a sacrifice to wield it. And the I mean Kyle immediately Marcus is just I'll do it. And then Daggery's like no I'll do it. Then <laughs> Uthal says screw it, I'll do it. <laughs> and all of them are sitting here trying to throw themselves at this thing that will make them no longer exist. And I was sitting here just like, this is incredible to begin with. And then it got even crazier for me because one of them goes, screw it. Let's all pick it up at the same time. (laughs) Whoever it chooses is who it is. And so there was this freaking wholesome as hell moment where all of these heroes gathered around this sword with their hand out ready to accept whatever comes their way after it. And, and I, I, I did a thing, though, because I, I saw a perfect time for it. 
I, I, I looked at Nick and I was like, hey, can I control Daggery for a moment? And he goes, yeah, sure, go ahead. <clears throat> so I described it as, there's this moment before all of you go to grab the sword where you're standing around it, hands out, and Daggery uh, looks up at all of you and says, see you on the other side. Because I just <laughs> had to get a Ghostbusters reference in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they, the way that I told them I was going to do this is I was going to roll. I was going to assign each of them a number and I was going to roll a d6. So I rolled a die mm -hmm. and I got my answer. And again, I wanted this moment to really mean something. I wanted it to have a build up to it. So what I decided was going to happen was I went to the Sword of Zariel in the book and I described to them what happens to the person before telling them who it is. Oh. So for reference, here's what it essentially does. It, uh, attuning to it, the sword picks the person, so it's even better. Um, and it, it, it's it's a rare item that instantly attunes. There's no rest, there's no anything. When you grab it, it attunes to you if it accepts you. So, uh, let's see, attunement, uh... Oh, the first time you attune to the sword, you are transformed into a heaven, heavenly, idolized version of yourself, blessed with otherworldly beauty and a touch of heaven in your heart. Neither magic nor divine intervention can reverse this transforma transformation. Your alignment becomes lawful good and you gain the following traits. You get angelic language, celestial resistance, divine presence, feathered wings, true sight, and a new personality. Shit, you basically become an angel. <laughs> yes, you do. And... And after I described all of that and I said, you see all of these features now in Marcaeus. Oh. So the Hell Rider who went into hell to redeem Zariel was chosen by the sword. And that was a roll. That was a, I, I, I straight up Ooh, rolled for it. I got literal I, goosebumps right now. That's wild, <laughs> man. <laughs> and so they, uh, so he turned into an angel and that's where we stopped for that first session. Mm-hmm. Now, when we picked up, I had been, you know, going over a few things and figuring out a few things and talking with some people uh, because I wanted to make sure that this session flowed. So one of the things that I didn't want to do was have uh, a sudden lull in travel through Avernus. Mm -hmm. So when we came back, Marcaeus's eyes light up with these silvery stars and says, I know what must be done. And everyone is instantly transported, teleported, I should say, to the blood war raging under Eltriel. Oh. <laughs> um, and sensing this, because it's Wit and he's a level 20 bard, uh, Wit, Wit used some uh, high level 20 magic and teleported all of their friends there too. Hey, hey. Um, now, because Marcaeus is an angel, Kyle didn't play him. He actually played Wit. I actually rolled a level 20 character for Wit, and it was kind of a trip when we were going through initiative where I was saying my own character's name to another player. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, they're in the blood war. There are devils and demons just ripping each other to shreds and they immediately get spotted by six uh, um, Hezro. 
Marcaeus, Angel, just zips straight off towards uh, Zariel. Uh, so they start working into these Hezros. They start fighting and everything. And then two horned devils come flying down and land next to some of the Hezro and start fighting the Hezro with them. Hey, so they war, yeah. go through. <laughs> yeah, they go through their attack and their fight, and they kill the Hezro. That uh, devils move uh, with them to fight the other ones. They eventually take care of everything, and as the last one standing there, this massive pit fiend in full armor with a hammer just crushes the last one. And um, they don't really make it clear in the book why this pit fiend suddenly just clears the way for everyone. So I just had him say it was like. The lady is expecting you. Nice. And he he basically did this demon version of the Princess Bride. Everybody move! <laughs> and just split the split a bunch of uh, devils so that they could go running down the way. And when they get there, the demon, the giant demon lord they released and Olanthius are both there, you know, trying to distract. Uh, except the demon lord is currently being held down by about six horned devils going, my hammer, my hammer. <laughs> and Olanthius is kind of standing there staring at Zariel taking on a, uh, a, a, a basically a Baylor, but with a giant hyena head by herself. And he's like, I, I'm not distracting at all. I'm just some death knight. Um, <laughs> and so they get there and... <laughs> freaking Uthal gets to go first and he's like um, yeah I'm gonna go over here I'm gonna run up the back of the Baylor and I'm gonna slice its head off Oh, because <laughs> it was already fighting the Baylor only had like 60 health left yeah and he did he crit oh okay his, okay. his, his because we do the max damage plus a die roll without rogue. rolling dice he did 69 damage nice <laughs> That's yeah. That's what he said too. Uh, so he lops the Baylor's head off, drops it down. Marcaeus during this has been floating above all of them, and uh, is basically waiting for his chance. And there is his chance. What she is fighting has stopped. She's turned to look at all of them, and he zips down. And at this point, I give Kyle back control of Marcaeus. I say, "What does he say to her?" And um, he basically says, all I have done has been to honor you, to bring you back to what you were. And he holds out the sword to her. Oh. Um, now, here's the thing. I will full disclosure this. There is supposed to be a role for this. But because of what I had already talked with some people about, the way things were going... Um, I decided to negate that uh, role because what they had done and everything and the way he was and the fact that he was a hell writer, I was like, she's going to take the sword. Mm-hmm. So she does. And I and I read the block text about her taking the sword and she starts to go through this transformation of returning from an arch devil to an angel. But as this is happening, the party sees the air behind Marcaeus start to shimmer and there is suddenly a crack in space and time uh, of black energy that spreads out and this figure comes shooting out of it and 
shoves a hand into Marcaeus's back. Oh. And pulls out uh, as he just starts to fall limp down through the air. Uh, she's holding this kind of ball of golden flame energy. And she considers it, looking at it, and then, you know, she's on the ground now. And she looks over at the party and then at Marcaeus, who's laying there just limp. And she goes, oh, I'm sorry, was he a friend of yours? <laughs> and that was all it took. Oh, no. <laughs> they all were just like, fucking get her. And the way that this woman looks, um, she has leather armor on with a cloak that comes up, you know, kind of hangs off one side, comes up over her head for a hood. And under the hood is a mask of a of the green devil from Tomb of Annihilation. Her right hand is covered in gold-layered armor that goes all the way up her arm and into her armor. And they come down, you come down to like points at the end. Her other hand is open and free, which is currently holding that ball of energy. And so they just start in and fighting. And um, as they're fighting, they, they literally have tried to talk to her while fighting. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, you know, they're they're going through and everything. She uh, she paralyzes uh, uh, Dagri with a touch like she just straight up teleports behind him, touches him, paralyzes him, Ooh. then teleports to another area of the map and is just fending them off. Uh, she shoots disintegration rays out of the mask. And at one point, Cesar is facing her down and uh, he goes, who who are you? What are you doing? And uh, I the, the mask is kind of augmenting her voice, but you can tell it, it, it has like this feminine sound to it under it. And uh, and she says, hmm, haven't thought of a name yet. I should probably get on that, but you'll die first. <laughs> and. So they just keep going, but uh, they get a couple really good hits in on her. And at one point, she stows this ball of energy and pulls out this sword that the hilt looks like a dragon's mouth open and the blade coming out of it. So basically the dragon slayer sword. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's fighting with that for a little bit. And then I can't remember who got such a freaking good crit on her. But they did a massive amount of damage. Oh, it was Daggery who did it. And then he, she responded with this disintegration ray that almost killed him. <laughs> and eventually she says, mm, I'm tired of this fight. I'm sure we'll have another one at some point. You seem to be persistent. And that crack in space and time opens up behind her again. And she just gets sucked into it. And the uh, and energy just closes in behind her. So, for just as a heads up, this is their new villain. Mm -hmm. um, this and this person I've known about for over a year. I'm not going to say who they are because that is spoilers, and I know some of my players listen to this. <laughs> um, but this person I have been building up for over a year now. They've been hearing about things that she's doing across the multiverse. And this was like the big moment where she shows up. So 
everyone runs over to Marqueas. Cesar gets there first, and he's like, I'm just checking to see, yo, know, if there's a pulse, if there's anything I can do. And I said probably the most hurtful thing ever. And I just turned to Kyle and go, what are Marqueas's last words? Oh. <laughs> and that was literally everyone's reaction. Oh, no. And he thinks for a moment, and he goes, Marqueas looks up at Cesar and says, for glory. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, damn it, Kyle. I know I made this sad, but you made it worse. <laughs> um, and and Marqueas dies. And at one point, though, you know, just after Nick looks at Kyle and says, OK, do you want Marqueas to live? And, uh, and he's just like, what? He's just like, I have. Uh, yeah. What, what's the what's the greater restorative revivify? What's the what's the one that brings him back? Yeah, revivify. Yeah, he's like, I have this, and I went, Nick, what do you need for that? And he goes, a diamond, but I can get that easy. I'm like, no. What else do you need for that? And he he thinks for a second, and I just go, you need his soul, which he no longer has possession of. And all of them just have this moment of like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. And again, this is that whole another wholesome moment. Daggery's like, in that case, I take out a bottle and I take out enough glasses and I pour everyone a drink. Aww. And they literally cheered Marqueus right there on the battlefield. Uh, a couple of them poured it out because, you know, you got poured yeah. out. Um <laughs> And yeah, so we had a character death. Um, I, 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 I want to put this in here because then we'll get into the end of the story and go and, and, and pass it over to you. Uh, I, I want to make it clear that this very much was scripted, that death. Uh, the whole soul thing was just a happy coincidence <laughs> <laughs> that, that Kyle earlier in the campaign had traded his possession of his soul to someone else. And, but because it was scripted, because Kyle was currently playing wit, I got into a chat with him, uh, you know, on, I think we're playing PlayStation or something. I was like, Hey, we need to talk. And I told him about like, Hey, this is what I think could happen. That couldn't, you know, be a, an interesting point in the story, but I'm looking at it from a storytelling standpoint. You're that you're the player that created that character. I want your opinion about how you're feeling about this. And he thought about it for a little bit and he's like, I think that is possibly the best way that Marquez could go out. He succeeded in what he was doing. Um, he achieved his goals and it, it is a moment that means something. So I think it should happen. So I, I, I want to clear that up for everyone. This mm -hmm. like, this is, this is one of those things like you can do these scripted things, but talk about it. Like, yeah. don't just do it. Get, get, you know, get, get the permission, get everything. Cause they, as much as this is y'all's game, they are their characters. Oh yeah. Like that, that's, that's what it is at the end of the day. Marqueus is Kyle's character. I can't just kill him off in a cut scene and be like, eh, sorry, it's what happened. So <laughs> there we go. So after that, Zariel comes down. And I can't remember exactly what she says, but she says something about Marqueus and that he was the best of us and stuff like that. 
just even more nailing in that like this person that that Marquea set out to redeem not not only re- was redeemed but like honors that he did that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Lulu turned into a giant mammoth. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, she does. She she's like, you all did this for me. He sacrificed, you know, or he didn't. Well, he didn't say he died doing this. I want to do something for you all. So I did a few nice things. <laughs> One, Uthal has a nightmare. And, no and, fucking and way you, you know, did it. <laughs> and, and fucking, you know, he, he, they're in Avernus, so that's fine. But he's really attached to beans. They're all attached to beans. They love beans. <laughs> and, I was like, okay, I can't let him leave here with a nightmare. I'm not letting him walk around with it. And I was like, I got it. So, Zariel, uh, I can't remember how, Beans came up somehow. I can't remember. But Zariel walks over to the nightmare and basically puts a hand on it and turns it in back into a Pegasus. Oh, so cool. So that that's how I'm letting Beans continue on. I'm not <laughs> the nightmare. Not, no, we're not doing that. So they had they have a they have a uh, Pegasus now. I keep trying to say unicorn. Um, the next thing was um, I was kind of letting them try to ask for things, and I knew one of them was going or wanted to, but didn't speak up. He said he was going to eventually, but I had Mad Maggie speak up, and essentially, Herc, who is Hurley's brother. Uh, his mind was wiped in the river sticks, and uh, you know they didn't know what had happened to Herc for so long. And so to meet him again and him not remember who his brother was, uh, Mad Maggie spoke up. Is like, yo, this one he he had an accident with the river sticks, and he's not too he doesn't do good with the memory thing. And so Zariel healed his memory. Oh wow! And I had this great moment where Herc sees Hurley and just runs over and hugs his brother. Aww. Um. And at that point, you know, she's like, okay, I need to save this city that I have now put into ruins. And they're all teleported up to Eltriel. They say their goodbyes to, you know, uh, to, to Mad Maggie and everything. Oh, Barannabas came with them, though. So the Flame Skull is now still with them. Cool. Um, and they get teleported up to Eltriel, and Zariel just goes around and slices through every infernal chain holding this thing down, and then goes up, destroys the companion that uh, was keeping it in darkness and everything, and Eltriel is raised back up into the material plane. Um, the last thing that happens is Zariel gives them a feather from her wing that turns to gold, and she says, if you ever need... Lulu and I use this and we'll be there. It'll only work once, but we will be there. So they basically have a planar ally spell. Um, nice. <laughs> I love it. So now they said their goodbyes to her, say their goodbyes to Lulu. Lulu as a mammoth just wraps her trunk around everyone and <laughs> hugs them. And, uh, and they set off. And that is where we ended. And we finished Descent into Avernus. Yeah. <laughs> we finished another freaking campaign. Um, and the last thing I'm going to say here, and this is actually where I'm taking a break from DMing this group. Oh, okay. Um, I need to do a lot of planning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to just uh, plan this game week to week now, uh, you know, trying to like lay the tracks ahead of me. 
So what is actually going to happen is Tom is going to take over as DM, and he, this is his first time DMing a campaign. Oh. Um, and so we're, we're going to start with new fresh characters at level one, and uh, we're going to keep going from there with that. And we're going to have session zero this coming week, or actually this week. When you're listening to this, we've already had it. Ooh, how exciting. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm very excited about it. But that is my long-ass spiel about my game. <laughs> Allie, how are your games this week? Well, you know what? It, long-ass spiel, it's it's the perfect... It, it's a very fitting, epic ending to that kind of campaign, I feel. Like, that just... Go, going along for that ride, I wasn't there, but... <laughs> it's like just It was listening. definitely one of those games where afterwards I felt really good yeah. about everything that everyone had done. It, it, it just felt like it was a good coming together storytelling moment, and I and I really loved it. Yeah. Oh, that that's so good, man. I, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, speaking of brand spanking new DMs, um, mm. I actually didn't run a game this week uh, it's actually been a couple Ooh. weeks since i've ran a game <laughs> uh, with the holidays and all that good stuff um one of my roommates cody um he actually offered to run a game just like a one oh. shot and so all of us uh taylor spencer and i were immediately like yes <laughs> because uh, the three of us have been wanting to play like D and uh but we've been like for playing D D, that means Allie's running it. <laughs> and so yep. uh Cody took up the helm and it was like such a just it was such a neat thing because I'm like sitting here like, oh my god, I can I can play Laura Lee again. And oh. and they were like, Oh yeah, totally. And Cody was like, Oh yeah, you guys go ahead and be level four. So I leveled her up once. And uh it was a it was an interesting group that we managed to get together. There was Laura Lee, the Twilight Cleric. Um, that if you listen to, you know, the previous, previously on, uh, you know about her. Um, there was Zag, um, the Way of Mercy monk. Zag, short for Zagreus. Um, he is full on <laughs> edgelord. He's got the Plague Doctor's half mask and everything along with the cowl. Um, Spencer told me, he's like, I'm just totally in love with this edgelord. I love him. <laughs> it's good because he's fun. Um, Sometimes you got to love an edgelord. Yeah. And uh, Taylor got to play this really adorable halfling. Uh, her name is Ellie Jobel. Um, <laughs> she is an armorer artificer. Um, Ellie Jobel was born without arms. And so she learned how to tinker and eventually learning how to make this armor that she can use. She can build arms, essentially. Oh, wow. And uh, because she's an armorer artificer, she can just like action hop out of the suit and she's just like, okay. And then she's just the most adorable person in the world because she's just like has no concept of like just what's appropriate at a dinner table. She'll just like start sitting down and tinkering with her feet on her armor and we're just like eating dinner. And (laughs) it's just like we're in the middle of this important meeting and she's just immediately just this is a little boring. I'm going to pop out and she just pops out of her armor and leaves leaving the armor there (laughs) i love it and so um it's just it was such a interesting niche group and all three are from tasha's right and so we're having Mm -hmm. fun exploring these new characters and um cody brought in this one shot that he found online and 
he's like, yeah, I should be generally fine. Uh, and I was like doing my best of like offering like, if you need any help, let me know. I've got all these monster cards. He's like, yeah, I'll just take one of them. And so he grabbed what he needed and we sat down and he started. And um, mm-hmm. he kind of plopped us down in the middle of uh, the Sword Coast, you know, like in the Deseran Valley somewhere. And uh, he's like, you're, you're coming up onto this town. And uh, eventually you do notice that there's... Uh, on the way into this town, you notice that there's some farmers who are herding some sheep currently. And uh, the barks, the, the, the dogs that are with them that are like sheep herders suddenly start barking and are very alert. And all of a sudden, ten wolves burst out from the forest that is nearby and starts attacking. And oh, jeez. We're like, look at each other and go, oh, shit. And so <laughs> we immediately start running forward to try to ha- help these poor farmers. And... Uh, as we take an entire like turn, just getting closer, because we were like 150 feet away, um, we had a chance to notice that these wolves were acting in a way that was uh, not your average beast uh, kind of you know, strate- strategies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were specifically holding back the farmers and like cornering them away from the sheep and the sheepdogs. Um, and wolves, like there were four wolves on the farmer. There were like two wolves specifically taking sheep and dragging them into the forest and there were like four wolves just herding the sheep closer away from the far- from the farmers hmm. into the forest. Like they were specifically guiding it so it would be the best effective way possible. There was this moment where we're running forward um, Spencer's character Zag being a monk is like doing 120 feet of movement a turn. <laughs> plus <laughs> um there was this fun moment because, like, Ellie Jobel, she's like, ah, I'm so close, but I'm five feet away. I'm like, oh, dude, it's okay. Just go ahead and save your action. I'll get you there. I use my whole turn, run up, shove her five feet forward, and she just magic missiles them. <laughs> 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 and, like, there's this moment where she just, like, it's, like, straight up Iron Man, straight from her chest, and it's just, like, missiles just whoosh, shoot out and just that's take down awesome. this wolf. And that's basically the size of her. And, um... The wolves kind of... There's another moment where we understand that the wolves have a almost a higher sense of understanding than they should. They actually, like, bark at each other. And on their turn, they retreat. And they mm. leave. Almost like as if they measured the situation, saw they were finally yeah. outnumbered, and left. So we go up to the villagers and... I have to tell you, I I didn't feel uh, self-conscious about my accents until Cody did them. What? Cody is so good at accents. Really? Ridiculously good. He just pulled out, like, this really heavy Irish accent that, like, you could have sworn was actually, like, someone from deep Ireland. I, like, straight up sat there on the couch, turned to Zag, and I was like, so I'm not the only one not understanding this guy, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I have an accent, I get that, but like this guy, and and like that was in character because the dude had like, and Cody jokes with it. He keep goes to a different farmer. And he's like, oh, don't mind him. You have to be around him in order to understand him a lot, and just pulling out like four different accents all at once. And oh I'm like, dude, God. you're brand new to doing this. Is awesome. <laughs> Heck yeah. And so. The farmers briefly describe about how these wolves have actually been terrorizing their small town for the past couple weeks now. And um, they're very much hurt. And uh, Spencer's character, he is the way of mercy. So he actually offers to heal one of them up because they got their leg kind of taken out with the wolves. And uh, 
he heals them up. They feel a lot better, and they're very gracious. And they're like, yeah, if you guys can escort us back to town with our flock, that would be the best. And we can uh, we can get you some lodgings for free. Oh, nice. So we escort them in. Um, it turns out that the, the whole town itself is like, it looks like it's just not doing well. Um, people are kind of like rushing through the town. Like it looks like it usually is busy, but right now it seems like people are just trying to get home as quick as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, the farmers escort us. Uh, well, we escort them. They're like, okay, go to the tavern um, and ask to see uh, like the leader of the town. And we're like, okay. And so we go into the tavern. We uh, order ourselves some food. And uh, there's, you know, fun little moments where it's like Zag is a vegetarian. And so <laughs> I'm like, listen, I know it's it got a vegetarian. Uh, if you can do more than just give him toast, that would be great. And <laughs> we've been having toast for this man for the past three weeks. He'd appreciate literally anything else. <laughs> and uh, Cody, again, coming at it with he's like, oh, yeah, when she brings the food, it's like actually this gorgeous. And he describes this great plate. Um probably do the fact that he's married to a vegetarian and he can actually describe a really good plate that someone would appreciate um and it was just like by the time that we would like got our food in game we were like man this actually sounds really good (laughs) (laughs) um but when we talked to the the barkeep after ordering our food she uh is very excited at hearing the prospects that we're actually adventurers and that we help save off the uh two farmers um from the wolves and like oh well if you can do that you can probably help us out and so she tells us to go upstairs there's currently a town mount a town council meeting right now (laughs) easy for you to say i know right and uh if we could probably put our two cents in and offer our services perhaps we'd get paid quite a bit and and the town would sure be grateful and so Mm -hmm. we're like okay well that sounds pretty good so we head upstairs there's this whole town meeting happening. Uh, people who are there listening. It's kind of like a pu- public uh, uh, auditorium. Like, what's the thing where it's like there's there's like a council meeting and the public can sit in and... Town hall. Yeah, there's like a town hall public meeting kind of situation going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, we kind of make our way over to the side and kind of take a seat. Um, like I mentioned earlier, Ellie Jo Bell just kind of immediately pops out of her armor and uh, kind of moves around. <laughs> Um, at this point, there's a clearly a town council that's kind of talking amongst themselves. Uh, one of them is he appears to be like a farmer that is almost taking the lead as the voice of the farmers in the town. Um, he's explaining how the town can't afford to uh, just stop doing what they need to do to survive. They're a exporting sheep town. That's what they do. They do yeah. sheep, whether it be wool, whether it be meat. It's their life. They're, they're the town supplying you and uh, settlers of Catan. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're the whole entire wool supply. <laughs> and uh, if they can't export, then they might as well starve at that point. So it's like, well, we can't stop. Um, and then the priest, who is kind of like the town's appointed word of wisdom, so to speak, um, he's saying, like, if we just stop for maybe two weeks at least, just stop everything that we're doing, make sure all the sheep are inside and they can't do anything perhaps we can get a hold on this and we can figure out what to do maybe even get someone from a nearby city to come help and there's a lot of arguing back and forth 
And I was like, okay, hang on, Cody, for one second. Um, so you're telling me that these people would rather uh, forego, you know, uh, like, so to speak, quarantining for two weeks for the greater good, just so that way they can keep up with the, the status quo. And Cody's like, <laughs> yeah, maybe it sounds like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, I just wanted to, you know, get that connection there. Oh, <laughs> um, and so I'm like, okay, uh, at this point, I'm going to use thaumaturgy and clear my throat and uh, get their attention. <laughs> and so uh, I use it, and they all turn and look, and they see me, um, Zag with the plague doctor mask, kind of just leaning against and uh, arms crossed. And then uh, Ellie Jobel literally sitting on a bench, working on her armor with her feet. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, well, y'all are in luck because we happen to be adventurers that are walking through town. We uh, saved a couple farmers out back, and we figured we can do more than that. So I love it. We talked for a little bit, and the uh, priest got real hopeful for us. Um, after convincing the rest of the council, uh, they decided that yeah, it'd probably be a good idea to leave it in this group of adventurers' hands and see what they can do with this. Um, nice. Not to mention, it helped uh, when the council agreed to fork up 800 gold. (laughs) Yeah, getting paid. Yeah, so I'm like, as soon as they said 800 gold, I kind of turned and looked at them like, so we're doing this. It doesn't matter if it's we're doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so we learned a couple more things. Uh, We learned that the priest's brother, um, he disappeared about two weeks ago. Um, Right around when this actually all started being a real problem. Like, mm. wolves in the area, that was a thing. Like, that was, that's been a thing since yeah. forever. But, like, smart wolves that uh, really are, are troublesome and, and can actually get around fences and such, it's like, that's a problem. Um, the priest's brother, Alexi, he apparently was a sorcerer. Uh, he had some inherent magic, and uh, when he disappeared, it kind of started up. That's real sus. Mm-hmm. Um... After talking to the priest, we learned that Alexi, the sorcerer, he's an all-around really good bearing kind of person. He's not necessarily like out for the town or anything like that. And the town kind of respected him for his power as well. So it didn't really make sense that he was behind it, like purposely. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're like, okay, well, we'll keep that in mind. And if we find him out there, we'll help you. Um, and they tell us... Uh, one other thing, we did send out a party to try to handle the wolves before, and only one man made it back. Oh. It was like a party of like 10 men. <laughs> oh, jeez. And uh, the man, he's a dwarf, and uh, he's currently laying in bed. He's he's just across the hall, essentially. Um, apparently, he kind of had lost his senses almost in a sense of like PTSD where he was just almost in a constant state of shock. Mm-hmm. And so uh, really the priest was like, just give him rest. Don't bother him too much. That's really all we can do until we get a better cleric out here. And um, so we're like, well, we would like to speak with him just briefly if we can about what he saw. Cause he's the only one that knows exactly what the wolves are, you know? And uh, so we after we eat and we have our food and uh, the priest comes and he tells us that uh, the dwarf is ready to speak with us essentially. So we go and we we speak with the man and and Cody again just 
home run out of the park when it comes to doing these characters because like he goes from the priest who's like very much homely and uh, very straightforward and wise to this dwarf who's like seen hell and back and it's mm-hmm. like there's a shift in his demeanor and he just like sunken hollow eyes as his and just staring into space beyond what we can see and it's like oh, oh man wow. this man is haunted <laughs> oh man um the man describes to us about how the wolves attacked them when they were setting up an ambush on the cave and mm. what's wild is that he heard them he heard them speaking about it about what to do with him after they took out the rest of the par- the search party, they took out everyone. They were debating whether or not to eat him. Oh, that's not good. And he also tells us after, he's like, there was fire everywhere. Like, we had no chance in that fight. Hmm. And so we're like, okay, well, you you get your rest. We'll we'll be back for you. And uh, Zag gives him essentially like way of the poppy, like alchemist kind of thing of like just go to sleep without you know feeling stuff for a while. Mm-hmm. So we leave him be, and we're like, okay, well, <laughs> hmm, this is real suspicious, guys. <laughs> and uh, so we kind of do a little bit of like personal history checks. Like, do we? Would we? Any of us understand like the kind of power this is? And um coming from like having been well traveled um my character uh she's like yeah i mean like there are things called like awakened creatures but it's like really that's kind of more of a one-on-one kind of spell and mm-hmm. it's high level difficulty spell too so you'd have to like keep it up it's not really necessary a whole you know like tribe you can't necessarily do this for an entire uh den of wolves and so We're not sure exactly what it is, but um, after hearing that it was the whole, you know, this happened at nighttime thing, we're like, let's go during the day. (laughs) (laughs) So we uh, spend the night in the inn. Um, In the bright in the morning, in the morning, um, we head out. The whole town is like, yeah, they're feeling a little more hopeful, Um, especially knowing that the two the two farmers had spread word about how you know courageous we were and so it was like we're feeling good about it they're feeling good about us and so uh, we head out into the into the forest and uh, that's when we realize wow none of us can track (laughs) (laughs) we've got a monk a cleric and an artificer we none of us can track and so we try our best um and eventually we are we just know at this point that the den they found was due west, essentially. Um, not knowing exactly where, so we just kind of started heading west because we didn't exactly pick up a trail. Um, mm. In the middle of uh, this walk, this trek through the forest, we actually heard something just crashing through the forest. And so naturally we try to climb up trees and just get out of the way when this huge owl bear comes barreling out of the forest and just into the clearing oh, that we're at. And we look down at it, and it looks just like it's just enraged. It is covered in marks and scratches, and it's bleeding. And it's like, it looks like it got into a fight and lost. Mm. And uh, Zag notices, because he's down at the ground with it, because he uh, was helping Ellie Jobel up, uh, that this owlbear also has singed fur rather all around it. Oh, jeez. Um, we managed to take down this owl bear uh, rather quickly, but we could only assume it's because it was already well hurt. 
Yeah. And uh, after taking a look at it further, Zag kind of realized that, yeah, this was a combination of fire, like burn and burn, like marks and also like wolf uh, evidence. So like you got huge bites, you've got these really nasty claw marks and it's like, okay, maybe we're close because this feels like we're in their territory then. Mm-hmm. We're also still astonished that they took down an owl bear. Yeah. <laughs> so we start heading up to um, there because from the owl bear basically created this. Uh, you know what? You know what rabbit runs are. No. Uh, rabbit runs essentially are like if you are walking through high grass or like really tall grass. Um, there's like a little parting, a little tunnel that the size of a rabbit can go through. Oh, okay. It's what happens when they run really fast through. Uh, repeatedly, essentially. Um, but okay. now, through the forest that was dense before, essentially has an owl bear run when it was just <laughs> ravaging, just barreling through the forest. So we had something that we could actually follow. Oh, nice. Um, so we took that trail, um, moving as quiet as we can. And um, eventually we made it to the edge of the forest and at the base of the mountains that were on the west side of the town. So we're like thinking, okay, so the den is probably somewhere around here. The cave system must be within this mountain here. So uh, we're moving like north a bit, trying to find some sort of entrance when we notice we see like a smokestack ahead. Um, that mm. the, the smokestack looks similar to like a campfire, more so than like natural fire. And we're like, well, this is odd. And so we kind of like, we sneak forward to try to see what's happening. And that's when we see the entrance to the den. And that's when we see wolves building a fence. Like... Oh, what? Yeah. (laughs) That exact reaction is exactly how we reacted. We're like, okay, wait. Are they they using hammers and stuff? Yeah. They're literally... With their little paws? Yeah, they're literally standing on their hind legs and building a fence. What the fuck? (laughs) And... It's kind of a moment where we're like, wait, what? And and Cody, the DM, he's like, and you're noticing that some of them actually have, like, pieces of shredded cloth covering them up, too. Like, they're wearing clothes. Some of them have what? armor. <laughs> but they don't look like werewolves. They look like wolves, wolves. in clothes. Yeah. So, like, something out of Robin Hood. <laughs> what? Yeah, and we're like, okay, new plan. <laughs> and so... <laughs> We like powwow for a second. We're like, okay, we got to figure out what we got to do because that's a lot of wolves. And I think we can go about this better than just trying to go in and attack everything. Mm -hmm. So we start approaching the den and uh, hands are up and I'm like trying my best to look just totally peaceful. And, uh, Moving forward slowly when all of a sudden wolves notice our approach. There is oh. growling and there is a voice, like several voices asking us what we're doing here and that there's intruders. What the heck? And we're like, not intruders. We want to talk. <laughs> we're like, we want to talk with the leader. <laughs> and eventually this one really rather large wolf comes out. Um, she uh, sees us and she asks us what we're doing there and we're like we understand that you have been 
I, I don't know how to say this, but doing a lot more activity than usual. So my character starts telling him, like, hey, we've been noticing there's been uh, kind of an increase in your guys' activity when it comes to, you know, stealing sheep. <laughs> and uh, we also have noticed that uh, every time you do steal sheep, that one or even two of y'all's die. Um, and we would like to perhaps reach an accord where no one dies in this situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, that's when the really large wolf uh, named Bolt essentially tells us, you have my attention, come inside and we'll talk. What the heck? And so we're like, oh boy, okay. Worried, because that means we're going literally into the wolf's den. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so we follow this wolf um, and... Bolt listens to us. She is essentially saying, like, yeah, we have been trying to prepare for the winter coming up soon. Usually, we accept our losses because we can't do anything beyond that, what we've already hunted. But now that we have an understanding of how to prepare better for the upcoming cold months, we know that there's going to be less wild game out here. Our best bet would be to take from the farmers nearby. And we're like, yeah, but when you're doing that you're aggravating the people and they send people out to take you down and so if we could perhaps reach a way that maybe you can talk with the leaders of the council I'm sure they would at least listen and if not we can be the earpiece and talk with you Um, when we're inside that's when a second equally as large wolf comes and approaches us Um, she calls Bolt a fool essentially and uh, her name is Flame. And okay. she believes that the humans and, well, the humanoids, so to speak, uh, have nothing to do with peace. They just want to destroy us and the forest and um, all the creatures within it. Like younglings okay. be damned. Mm-hmm. And we're like trying to say, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't want that. <laughs> but Flame at this point has had enough of it. And she attacks Bolt essentially going straight for the jugular and takes her down. They go barreling for a second and she just rips at her, bringing her down and we're at this point where we're just in the middle of a wolf's den looking at this situation. Flame looks up, just blood out of her mouth and she just looks up and she says, attack them. As she starts bounding towards us and we're like, okay, change of plan and we change once again. At this point, I need to mention... The way Bolt agreed for us to talk, we had to lay down all our weapons. Oh, shit. So the funny thing is, all three of us were totally okay with that. Because you got Ellie Jobel, who's essentially in an Iron Man suit. Yep. You've got Zag, who's a monk. (laughs) Yup. And you've got me, who's a cleric, who mostly just sits there and buffs people. (laughs) Yeah, okay. That's, That's fair. So we're like, yeah. Um, new plan. And so I take like 10 feet back and I immediately whip up my channel divinity of I just create this twilight sphere where I'm giving everyone temp hit points every single turn. And Zag goes in and he just starts like he like he just starts causing necrotic damage. And then the next the same turn heals up Ellie Jobel as she runs up acid sprays in a line five wolves who are just in perfect position and 
oh yeah, Ellie Joel, she got to use the the Tasha's caustic spray. Like, oh nice. So like essentially she put she put out her hands and her fingertips just opened up so that way the acid spray just <laughs> spewed all over. I and it was it. like, and Zag right there is just left hand dealing damage, right hand healing Ellie Jobel. And I'm like, this is great. We're actually doing pretty good, guys. And then Flame comes up and she fucking like fireballs with her mouth. <laughs> oh, geez. Nearly, Quite the literal name. Yeah, literally taking us down. And we're like, oh, right. Fire everywhere. Right. Her name, Flame. It's all coming together, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, at this point, I go a little bit closer and I include Bolt in my healing situation with the sphere. Oh, cool. And the other wolves are starting to pick up on this and they're seeing that we're not really wanting to take these wolves down. And Zag is like doing like non-lethal damage, taking them down and trying to bring things down. Ellie Jobel isn't caring about non-lethal damage and she's just taking them down real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, eventually it gets down to just flame and, like, one other wolf. And we go in for, like, this huge hit. I forgot exactly who took her down, but I think it was, yeah, it was Zag who just did a huge crit with his uh, necrotic hand of the of Way of Mercy, essentially. And flame just went down. Mm. And we're at this moment where there's the one wolf left. And it's just us. We're still in the den of wolves. There were like several wolves that hung back, not wanting to get into the fray because, you know, they're torn between their loyalties. And I use healing word to bring up Bolt at that point fully. Bolt rises up and essentially barks at the lone wolf to leave and never come back. And so that wolf runs. Mm. Bolt limps towards us and she apologizes uh flame has was always kind of hot-headed when it comes to things but since the flash she's been more than that and we're like what flash and they're like well there was this this other person this person this humanoid two weeks ago we were naturally trying to defend our younglings and in reaction to us something happened and this huge flash of light and after that, it's unclear. They don't know what happens. The man disappeared. And mm. since then, they've acquired this, you know, level of feeling, this uh, awakened sti- state. Hmm. And so we're like, okay, that probably is what happened to Alexi. We don't know how or what he did, but he's probably the issue here. <laughs> Like, Mm -hmm. the reason why this is this way. And so we're like, okay, what do we do from here on? And Bolt tells us, it's like, I think we can't coexist. I think where we are and the relationship with this town, we won't be able to start with this. On top of that, if they had an understanding of what we are capable of, it would be all the more reason for them to hunt us down. Mm. Uh, Our party agreed with that. We're like, what can we do? And Bolt was saying, tell them you handled us. Tell them you took us down. We're going to leave before it gets too snowed in. We're going to leave Mm. before winter comes and find somewhere well away from humans. Hmm. As long as you promise 
to not tell them what we are capable of, then I think this is a good deal. Interesting. We promise the wolves. We promise Bolt. We tell them Mm -hmm. that uh, we'll try to give them a few days before any kind of humans try to sneak their way in and double check on our work. And they're very thankful for us and we head out. Um, Dang. We go back to the town. Uh, The town is very happy. (laughs) (laughs) We have uh, managed to take down all the wolves. How amazing are we? And um, (laughs) there was a hilarious moment because at first, before telling the whole town, we went and told the priest first because uh, we felt a uh, need to tell him about his brother, at least Mm -hmm. what we knew. But we also had to skirt around the fact that we can't tell him how we found that out. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, we made a promise. Um, and so, <laughs> of all the times to fail deception checks, <laughs> <laughs> the priest was all like, yeah, you guys are lying out your ass, but you're not lying about what happened to my brother. So I'll accept that. <laughs> tell the town that they're safe. The wolves aren't going to bother them anymore. But just be careful about who you lie to. And so we leave the okay. church thing like, okay, we're just going to skip the whole like how we did it. We're just going to say we did it. <laughs> yeah. So we get back to the town and we're just like town heroes. We get the 800 <laughs> gold and there's a whole feast in our honor. And we're, it's, it's this great moment. Um, even like looking up the stairs, uh, looking, looking down at us from, from the, from between the rafters, you see the dwarf who kind of has a smile on his face here in our, our tale about how we, we, we won over and, and uh, it was, it was a great ending. Cody did such a good job. Like, That's awesome. As a first time DM who was like really running it, it was, he took this one shot that he found and he really made it a fun game. And That's really awesome. It was, it was such a blast to play in. It was a blast to play uh, Laura Lee again as well. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I'm so happy you got to, to got to play her again. Mm -hmm. And so soon. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So it was, it was a, it was a fun game. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, I, I maybe one day I'll get to play one of Cody's games, you know, in the far flung future where we can do such things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But um, yeah, we've been talking for about an hour now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I think uh, I think that's a good place to to end this previously on. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Well, that was our uh, previously on part of our podcast this week. Uh, if you enjoy our podcast and want to support it, the best way to do that always is by leaving a review on your service of choice, as well as telling your friends about the show. If you'd like your questions, advice, or stories read on our, you know, actual show, Difficulty Class, send them into difficultyclass at gmail.com. And if you'd like to stay or up to date. if you have any stories, if you got your own oh, stories, yeah. send them in difficultyclass@gmail.com. We want to read them. We want to talk about them. 100%. We would love to hear them. I mean, like, we've gotten a few of them in from before when we, before we even did previously on. So it's like, yeah. I, it'd be fun to hear from you guys. Um, well, like, yeah, if you'd like to stay up to date on the show, you can totally follow us on Twitter at Difficulty Class and on Instagram at Difficulty Podcast. So, until next time, have a good game. Just wanted to say really quick that the sound effects and music that you heard in this episode were from Sirenscape. You can check them out at www.sirenscape.com and find some really awesome sound effects for your game like this. <laughs> <laughs>